This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Back a special though. We could go a week without the fellas. We could, not I this mean, week. Not especially not this week. Did we? Did we moved it around? We've been moving it around the past couple of years, haven't we, guys? Haven't we? Yeah. Some yeah. years we missed. Some. Yeah, well, I mean, one year you said, not "I don't want to see you guys ever." <laughs> Forget about this week. I don't want to see you ever. Not I think you said said that. that to me. Yeah, I, 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 certainly not the last couple of years since Michigan <laughs> beat, beat the brakes off Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. So we we could not. I used to be a Stanford guy named Ed Fang, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, not not when things are going on the field anyway, like they've been going. Joining us like they do every Thursday, but this time on a Tuesday because of the holiday. The MGo Blog crew for the MGo Blog Roundtable joining us as they do every single week. Starting off with Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? I'm well. He's you quiet. Well. That is good to hear. Seth Fisher, how are you? You're getting Tuesday version of Seth and Brian, not Thursday version of Seth and Brian. Just want you to know, Tuesday version is not the same. This is like the, the middle of UFR. We're still, you know, sleepless and trying to figure out what happened in the last game versions. Man, sleepless. I'm right there with you, fellas. The sleepless time is is always heightened this year, but even more so. Uh, also, also more so uh, this season. Craig Ross, how are you this morning? I am channeling my inner Ed Anger. From, if you remember Ed Anger from the World Weekly News, who was always, quote, madder than a beaver with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Well, that's me. I'm mad. Yep. All right. So <laughs> let's kind of let's kind of work our way up because I want to spend most of this hour on Ohio State and the matchup. But uh, let's look back first at the news of Chris Partridge's firing 24 hours before the game. Uh, second week in a row, they found out they're going to be without a coach uh, right before the game, uh, so to speak. Uh, and that was in addition to this week, already knowing that Jim Harbaugh wasn't going to be there. And then, Brian, of course, they go and take on a Maryland team that they almost put away in the first half, but they let them hang around and it got interesting. But, of course, they held on for the victory. Here's what it is. Let's talk football. <laughs> That's what I'm, what, So the Maryland game, your takeaways. Uh, well, you know, Michigan often plays kind of a sleepy game right before Ohio State, and that was the case here. You know, Michigan, I think they ran McCarthy once accidentally. <laughs> um, but it's they get out to the 23 lead, and I think everybody just starts looking forward to next week and get some dimes from Tugavailoa <coughs> to, uh, to draw them closer. And then, you know, the, the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is it felt a little bit more like a Lloyd Carr game this week than last week, because last week Penn State's offense was definitely not going to do anything. 
And you couldn't be sure of that in this game. Now, Maryland's offense didn't do anything in the fourth quarter because Michigan got ridiculous buckets of pressure. But I kind of felt like some of those calls were difficult <laughs> uh, memories of games that Michigan has blown 10, 15 years past. Fat yeah. Fisher. Yeah, man. Um, you know, Maryland hit about half their big shots, and that's what it was. They weren't really getting anything. When they got things consistently, it's because Michigan was just sitting back. And I was <laughs> really surprised when I looked at the defense how – just vanilla they were like normally there's a you know they've been vanilla all year they've been just kind of like doing their thing and practicing for ohio state this was extreme uh, they just sitting back with two deep letting them rpo underneath them you know running into five-man boxes and just expecting the tackle to to beat a double and he would like the tackles would actually you know they're they're putting on chris jenkins to you know to beat a guy one-on-one and he and he would or, or grant to graham or even benny to win one-on-one and they were so that part of the strategy worked well but i mean gaddis really planned this one out i'm seeing a lot of really interesting things one or two, and I don't know if he was on purpose or if it was just like a, a weird play design or like if somebody went the wrong way. <clears throat> he couldn't get his guys to execute everything. But like when they were dropping dimes, it was scary. And there were a couple other moments where they got guys open downfield. And really this game, when they had the wind, Maryland was able to move the ball pretty well. When they didn't have the wind they couldn't remove the ball at all. And I don't know how much that had a factor, but like they tried to run a couple times at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Michigan stuffs them, and then they're in a long down, and that's when Michigan can just start using their stunts. But there were the, the play right before the um, defensive touchdown, there's a guy open downfield, and he just misses him. So like there's there are moments there that, are make, that make me nervous because we haven't seen Will Johnson get beat. We haven't really seen what Wallace – can do, and then they spent the last part of the game with Samer still at cornerback and McBurrows at nickel because it felt like they didn't trust Wallace anymore. Yeah, it's fair to say that this game has always been a problematic game for Michigan, or not always, but often. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the Ball State game, I think in 2006, and last year against Illinois for sure, and the game was in between a very emotional game uh, at Penn State. Uh, and a very emotional game coming up against Ohio State. So, so the game was going to be, is always going to have that element of difficulty. Um, I, I guess I have two primary questions. Perhaps uh, Seth has answered a bit of it, but one is it seemed like Michigan pretty routinely in this game was really light in the box and then had two safeties in the parking lot. Uh, and I thought it was curious that that seemed to be primary for them, and I'm not sure why exactly. Because they're uh, playing Ohio State this week. Yeah, and, and so they're and just Marvin showing Harrison nothing. And Amika Buka, like they, that's that's where they think their dangers are. And I think that they mm-hmm. believe I mean, that they have a good front that you know, Ohio State's running game is not going to be able to run on them any better than than uh, Maryland is. I is mean, that that's, what you think? That's yeah. what they've done all year. Mm-hmm. Like they have been light in the box pretty much on every down that's not third and short mm-hmm. the whole year. And uh, I think Maryland's running backs had 56 yards on 20 carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so, sounds right. You know, if you can get away with it, then yeah, you get away with it. The The concern there is that you had your two safeties back and Maryland was still able to still hit some hitting. big plays in the passing game. Yeah. And 
<clears throat> we saw Josh Wallace get beat on a double move that Tugavailoa couldn't hit. But then after that, they moved Sainer still outside and played with McBurrows and then at, at the nickel. And to me, that's like that could be a plan for what you're doing in this game. But if it was clearly better than having Josh Wallace on the outside, you would have done more with it this this year. Because McBurrows has about 130 snaps this year, but you know a lot of those were late in games that were already decided. So we haven't seen a whole lot of McBurrows in right. Know, meaningful action. Yeah, and he came up and made a play though. This so Jaden. Oh my gosh, I love that play. I love that play where he just he takes the slot receiver and puts him into the knees of uh, a Tagovailoa, and and the quarterback just goes spinning. That was the funny thing. Yeah, but, two other guys in the but that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't matter. What matters is how Michigan is going to cover, right? Because like, yeah, that's that's fine if they want to throw a screen out, whatever. That's. They might pick up a few yards here and there, but they're going to win or lose this game based on how much they can get the ball to Egbuka and and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, it'll it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be. Um, I mentioned it from the standpoint of that that alternative, what it might look like, where the strength might lie. It might be in in his his physicality. Now, how will that translate to him in coverage? Uh, that remains to be seen. I think Josh Josh Wallace will get another opportunity. Um, and if there's any kind of leakage, uh, I think this is one of those games where you 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 don't wait long to make changes. I'm including uh, offensive tackle in that mix. Like, you know, I think oh, okay. this is going to be one of those games where uh, if if you are having a lot of leakage at any one spot uh, that you're you're trying to mitigate that in a few ways. Maybe there's some pocket movement things that you're doing. But in, including personnel things, if you feel like you need to have it, because to me, my biggest takeaway from this game was about JJ McCarthy. It was so reminiscent to me of last year's Illinois game. Uh, it wasn't the circumstances weren't the same. I think it was more about Illinois' defense and how you know how boss they were, how well coached they were. That was just a squad they were facing, and I think this year it was about. You know, J.J. just not being quite on. It could be a variety of reasons for that. Maybe it was, you know, everything that was going on outside the program. I tend to believe that what Clapp was saying about him being banged up, it kind of struck me as a guy who probably was uh, in, the, in the training room a little more uh, last week. And, of course, Ohio State is the next week because he, he just missed plays that you don't see missed. And going back over it, I was, I was impacted more than I was in the moment thinking, the man, you know what's going on? Why are what's what's this play sequencing? What why are they doing that? And then as you watch the game in retrospect, you say, okay, I get it. Uh, you know, maybe you need to figure out a way to get him back in rhythm some kind of way. Uh, but I understand now watching it a second and third time over, man. It it, it was, even from the start that the first play of the game was an RPO uh, that he missed, and that's not to alarm people. It's not to alarm people. Is is to is to put it into some context and say, hey. This was an off game, kind of like we saw it be an off game against Illinois last year. And look at what that dude came back and did against Ohio State. Because to me, that's the that's the game. J.J. McCarthy is this game to me. Well, I mean, there is – I mean, I don't necessarily think that Michigan needs to get an elite performance from J.J. McCarthy to win this game. Mm. Because we have seen what Ohio State's offense looks like against good defenses. And they scored 14 points against Notre Dame. They scored 20 points against Penn State. And they were fortunate 
to not <clears throat> give up a strip sack touchdown on the, their only first half uh, touchdown drive. And Michigan is at that level. And one thing that we saw last week is that Tunga Vailoa was absolutely under siege. Pro Football Focus had Michigan down for 26 pressures in this game. Hmm. Tunga Vailoa dropped back 31 times. Now, there have to be, like, you can get multiple pressures on a play. I've decided that PFF is charting like this yeah. because they did not get to him on all but five <laughs> plays. Hmm. But the thing about Ohio State's pass blocking is it's not much better than Maryland's, if it is at all. So Pro Football Focus has uh, Ohio State the number 58 team in the country in pass blocking, and Maryland is 65th. So I believe that Michigan is going to be able to get to Kyle McCord. It's going to be a road game. It's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be his first game. And I think that he's going to struggle, especially early in games where he struggled early in basically every game he's played. So he's taken a quarter and a half to settle in for, for most of these games. And the Ohio state ground game has changed somewhat. They were running a lot more stretch early in the year and they've moved to more gap stuff, but this is still uh, an Ohio state offense that I think is like 93rd in expected points added per play on the ground. And Mayan Williams is out. Trayvon Henderson is back and has been looking good, but you go back to that Penn state game, they rushed for like 39 yards in that game. So, like this could be a defensive struggle like we saw against Penn State uh, for, for both those games. Those are Michigan and Ohio State played the same game against Penn State. And if there's going to be a difference maker, it could be J.J. McCarthy. He gets out of the pocket, he finds it. And then the other one who could be is could be Marvin Harrison. So, But I don't think Michigan needs J.J. McCarthy to throw hmm. for 300 yards to win this game. Yeah, I, it seems to me that, that you're making a good point that this could have some elements of an old Bow and Woody throwback game uh, where neither team really does particularly well on offense. The difference is that both teams have playmakers on offense, and that was something that didn't exist quite so much back during during the 10-year war. Uh the thing that bothers me is, or the thing that I'd like to see Michigan do in this game is be a little more balanced. I don't understand why uh, we're not running, throwing more play action on first down or play action at all. The one play action pass oh, yeah. we threw in Maryland game, you got, I think it was CJ wide open. And then JJ throws a terrible ball back, back behind him. That was an uncatchable ball. Anything out in front of him, he has a chance on. And it seems to me they need to, I mean, I loved in the Penn State game that they were willing to run on third and 10. And, and, and as I said last week on those, on those pass downs, they gained a, an average of 10.2 yards per, per play running it. And, and on the few times, the five times they did throw on, on rundowns, they gained 9.8 yards per play. So I'd like to see them go against the grain a little bit, balance the offense a little bit, uh, as opposed to what they did in Maryland, which seemed not that. Yeah, uh, I, think, I, think, I think balance is not optional in, in this yeah. game. I, I, just, I, I guess I disagree. I think J.J., uh, first of all, I think he's going to be – outstanding in this car. I just maybe you maybe, disagree with me that you need balance. Yeah, well, I, I disagree. Uh, I disagree about 
it not being about Jay. I think JJ is the key to this game for me. Oh. I think he needs to have an outstanding performance, even if it's not even if it's not his yardage. Like he has got to be a a principal piece, the principal piece of Michigan's offensive success in this contest. And I think he will be run and pass. Um, they ran a a play action pass, and I agree with you. You know, I kept wondering about more play passes. Then you go back and look, and there was another. There was a play pass in the second drive. I think it was a say it was a play after Roman went out. And you look at it on all twenty two, and it's a touchdown. Mm. Like it's a touchdown. He, he just, oh, is that the is that the one where uh, he throws it short to Barner? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have the all twenty two, so I had to look at this over and over again to figure it out. But the safety in the middle of the field is a touchdown. Now, now again, it goes with uh, Colson Loveland. So, so you, as you, as you see it, you know, and I'm not a play caller, so you, you're trying to put your yourself in the in the lane of a play caller, and that happens, and they run seven straight plays, and they are in the end zone. You <laughs> play right there; they score a touchdown there. So you kind of see how it kind kind of starts shaping your your thinking. This is not his day. You know, sometimes you're you're the guy, your fastball pitcher can't locate. Happens every now and then, and this just seems like one of those days. I think it's incumbent upon the play caller to you got to figure out a way to get your guy in rhythm. Uh, that that is, there's no question about that. But you know, in the moment in the game, I kind of get it now. Uh, I didn't get it in the game. Uh, either way, though, uh, in this contest, it it just won't be an option. You don't have the option, in my opinion, to. Uh, to to skew that way, at least project it. I don't yeah. think I'm projecting it like they they're gonna have to be I, more bad. So I, 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 I've been bouncing up and down to, to respond to something earlier. It's just like the you guys think it could be a defensive struggle. I don't like this is Michigan Ohio mm-hmm. State, right? He's Urban Meyer is gonna help put together this game plan. They had this game plan put together at the beginning of the season. Michigan in the same way. They've been all they've gone eleven games keeping stuff in their back pockets against like nobody's. Even Penn State, they only played they only used plays that were going to beat Penn State. So there is a lot of offense that you haven't seen and when you can prep, there's going to be more offense. I think it's just going to come down to I, I agree with you, Sam. I think JJ's got to execute. That's the that's what we have that they don't. They don't have a quarterback who can go and win this game for them if that's what need that's what's needed, and we do, and that's what's going to have to happen if Michigan's going to win. Yeah, I think it will. That that's why I went back and looked at like we, a lot of the same things we said about this game. I don't know if you guys remember what you thought about Illinois before the Ohio State game. What you thought about JJ McCarthy coming out of the Illinois game, and I remember now <laughs> I went back and looked at it. I remember thinking, I wonder how much they trust JJ. Because there was just, you know, there were there were things that they didn't put on his plate uh, in that Illinois game. That's like, man, I, what is that? And they went out in that Illinois game, and, and maybe it was out of necessity, Brian, maybe because they didn't have another choice because Blake's out, right? <laughs> Donovan's not going, and you got to let the young fella cook. And he did. And I just, you look at this season, and, yeah, it's hard to have 12 games where a guy is just going to be on point. Uh, it's the Bowling Green game, and it's the Maryland game. Every other game, the guy has been money. Uh, people talk about Penn State. They only threw eight passes, and he completed seven of those, and then you saw him impact the run game tangibly. I just think he is the biggest advantage they have, uh, and if he plays like we all know he can, I think they beat the, I think they beat the crap, <laughs> crap out of Ohio State again, in my opinion. 
I mean, the the issue there is that Carson Barnhart has been very bad the last two weeks. And there were a couple incidents late in the fourth quarter of this game where Carson Barnhart was getting beat by guys who are not nearly as good as Penn State's guys or as good as Ohio State's guys. And you mentioned earlier that they might have a quick hook if that continues to happen. I mean... That's my speculation. No one told me that, so I'm just saying. Okay. But, like... I, I would find it very difficult to believe that Hinton is actually available after what we saw. Like, no structural damage, sure, but that knee is probably, I mean, it can't possibly be at full strength a week after that. So, I mean, one of my big confusions about the last couple of years is whenever Trente Jones gets in the game, he performs. And he's performed the last two weeks in that bonus OL spot, and he performed when he got in at, at tackle in, in in the Maryland game. And he got that holding call, but that was the weakest holding call I've I've seen in a long time. I I'm just baffled at why it seems like he never really got a shot at a starting job. It just well, I mean, my my instinct about that one is that even though Trente's a good run blocker. From, I, I mean, man, you've charted him, so maybe you have a different view, and it would be a better view, I guess. But when I've watched him, he's not very good in pass pro either. Well, I got news about Carson Barnhart. Well, I know <laughs> Carson Barnhart isn't very good in pass yeah. pro, and and so I'm not. I mean, the coaches aren't idiots. I mean, they're smart guys. No, and, but the coaches and, went into the season trying to run with Miles Hinton. The coaches looked at what they had after, and they had Carson Barnhart mm-hmm. coming back from last year. They had Trent A. Jones yeah. coming back from last year. They had their tackle room, Hale, and they went out and they got Miles Hinton and they got Ladarius Henderson, yeah. a guard and a major project. And then mm-hmm. those guys both ended up starting sometimes this year. So, And then they wasted a bunch of time trying to install outside zone, which they've run maybe twice in the past 10 weeks. Yeah. Right. So... Like, yeah, that's all because right. They're smart guys. Doesn't mean that they're infallible. Like right. they make mistakes all the time. Mario Cristobal might be a smart guy, but he made a mistake earlier yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they, they had to figure out a way, uh, a way to to get their perimeter run game going, and that they wound up saying, "All right, our best perimeter run game, our best perimeter run plays are JJ McCarthy." Uh, I think they would have liked for it to have outside zone to be more of a part of that, but realized, you know, to spend more time on this. Uh, wouldn't be as effective as spending our time elsewhere, especially when we know when we put this guy in a run game, it changes the dynamic altogether. Uh, and that wasn't as much on the table. That's another thing that stuck out to me about this game. It wasn't as much on the table uh, against Maryland. That struck me as conspicuous. Like they're clearly saving that for Ohio State. Like, Yeah, that- I was actually shocked that he had a live keep read even once. Yeah. And <laughs> I want to I want to give credit to that Maryland defender because live when he pulled the ball I thought that was going to work because I thought he was headed for the back and he angles there and then pops outside makes a great play I, I'm not really mad about that decision to keep I just thought that was a, was that Braid because yeah it's Bo Braid yeah I mean he had ten tackles he's a safety and they were his average depth of tackle was four yards I think they had so, him at nickel a whole bunch too they use him at well, nickel safety but yeah. But that's the kind of thing that Michigan can't let Ohio State do, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've been talking about play action passes all year, right? And you go and you look at the rate of play action passes for JJ McCarthy. He's like 59th of 90 quarterbacks who have 100 attempts. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make sense to me cuz you know, he's averaging 12 yards an attempt on play action. So 
let's. Uh, I don't. Maybe it's just rope a dope. Maybe it's like they don't even have to do it against most of these teams. But I would like to see a much more aggressive play action approach in this game. Yeah, I don't think there's any. Based on how it worked last year, and based on the two touchdowns that were on the field this past week, um, it's, it's got to be like there's. We keep just... saying that, Sam. We keep saying it, but like, well, I mean, look, look at the look, TCU I, game I last year. They averaged twenty-five go, yards per play-action pass. And this is why I, I keep talking about the chart. Like, you go through and you chart this game, and you see, okay, he just wasn't. I mean, there's there's no way around saying that he just wasn't on now. How do you get him on as a as an offensive coordinator? That's a fair critique. Like, how do you get a guy who is clearly not locating well in this contest, whether it be uh, accuracy on some balls, because he has some really finely placed, well-thrown balls, and then there were just some that were off or misread. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's the first play. He has Colson Loveland for a first down, very easy pre-snap read. He goes for a much tougher throw, and Michigan has, goes three and out. And I'm just like, right. that's not something we've seen from him all year. Right. Like he, he's, His ability to read defenses has been off the charts. Like that throw at Angelo Gross on the against Michigan State, where he's reading the route of Colson Loveland, and he's like, all right, this guy's going to flip his hips, and he's dead. Like that's what I've expected. And to see him miss a lot of – not throws because people miss throws. Maybe he's a little dinged up. It's windy, but missing the reads is something that I was not expecting. Yeah, hundred like, percent. This own. is where I think You're they might have missed Jim Harbaugh. I think like the I I generally don't think the coach on game day matters that much, especially in like a, a week game like UNLV or whatever. Where it does matter is Harbaugh is a former quarterback. He's definitely been part of JJ McCarthy's coaching. All this time, right? He's like, I know there's been other quarterbacks, coaches, but Harbaugh has been the guy. And when you go to the sideline, right after a, you know, after a Michigan series, you always see Harbaugh talking to JJ, right? What did you see there? What were you doing? What was what were you looking at? I think Harbaugh is a an asset as a quarterbacks coach uh, on game days that really Michigan could have used because Sharon. I, I he he doesn't he's a a lineman and he thinks like a lineman and when the throws weren't there. They come back in the second half after JJ made a couple terrible throws. One of them should have been an interception, and the second one was. At the end of the first half, they come back, and they're not throwing at all. They're just running the ball. And mm-hmm. I think that's how you compound a quarterback who's off instead of saying, all right, man, go take another swing at it. Yeah, I, I think what to highlight here, because we need to get to a break, is how much of an anomaly it was. You know, it, I'm curious what you guys come up with when you watch we had them down for five bad reads, four bad throws, 11 wasted plays. That's just not him. And I, and I just don't think that that's going to that's gonna happen again, especially given the, the backdrop of the season and the backdrop of, of last year. I tend to think maybe it's something to what you said, Seth, about, hey, you know, the impact of, of Jim. I thought the, the team as a whole just out of the gate wasn't – there wasn't a whole lot of juice – you know, you lost another coach, Ohio State's next week. Uh, and then I, I just have this sneaking suspicion for Clatt to mention during the game that, hey, you know, he's yeah. banged up. He's good enough to play. You know, he's, he's well enough to play. That kind of struck me as, hmm, that's kind of conspicuous for you to mention that. Well, 
I thought I you were going to mention that Clat said they they looked kind of flat in pregame warmups. So you usually don't Clat usually doesn't say like they look flat in pregame warmups. It's kind of, that's a hard thing to tell. And Clat normally How can you look flat in pregame. Warm-ups? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And Clat I have one watched, normally says stuff like that. I have watched hundreds of Michigan's <laughs> pregame warmups, and they are all the same. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about how they how they played in the in the first in, in it just didn't feel the the same just juice wise energy wise they got it together my point as we get to this break fellas i'm just telling you i remember jj after the bowling green game as sure as the day is long you know he took stood up in front of the media took all the bullets and he came over and he said man watch how i come back you know what he said he said i'm gonna be a monster like i just i see that coming i see that coming in this game just like it came last year uh, against against Ohio State after a, a subpar performance against Illinois. You just got to know to do. You know, it's hard to be 100% in terms of how you play. Be perfect game after game. He was almost perfect in a lot of these games this year. Granted, against not so good a competition, uh, but I, I think it's all about this week. You know, he he the focus, you know, the accuracy, all the things that we saw throughout the season, I think are going to be back in full force. Uh, against Ohio State on Saturday, and I think that's going to be the difference in this game. But I'm let's get back uh, more specifically on Ohio State on the other side. Are clear on the radio? Yeah, hey, I, you know your point about Trente. I just watching him. I, I think physically, he and Ladarius Henderson are their most talented guys, and for him, you know, for for him to be kind of clearly the number four guy. From the start of the season, right? It, it was it was a three man competition. It became and he was like the the extra tight end. It just tells me that man, you know, we don't know all the elements um, that go into. A lot of times, I think it's not just uh, performance. You know, I, I think there's, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think we, I think that that's one. I'm sorry, dude. It was playing in my ear, so I got thrown off a little bit. You know, I I think that he's been a guy who they've they've been nurturing in a lot of ways. And I wonder if that was, that was an element and kind of bringing him, bringing him back, bringing him back to, to the starting equation, because I agree with you, Brian. I thought he was, I thought he was good. Uh, I think it was a test that they had to put him out there for. And now that he went out there and he passed it, like they, you know, Clad kind of pinned that corner blitz on him. And that wasn't on. No, that, wasn't on on that wasn't on him. So, you know, he went out there and he played well. And I'm thinking about him specifically because Ladarius is supposed to be back this week. And if you got in the game and you're you're having leakage at right tackle, I, I just wouldn't. I would be less hesitant to play Trente in that. In that I season. mean, the weird thing is, is like you know, a year ago he was the clear winner of that battle. Yep. In the off season, and then he plays half the season. And he plays well. Mm-hmm. Like my charting for him is great for a guy just starting his, you know starting career and then he gets hurt and it's just like it's over and like barnhart's okay like he's been serviceable but like he's not gonna get drafted yeah i think i think i think if there if there was any difference it was you know being as assignment sound as the others physically he's without question the more talented guy but you know given how things have evolved or devolved at at the tackle position uh, here over the last couple of weeks, uh, you get to a point where it's like, okay, well, he can't be worse, right? <laughs> now they they had to they had to put him in there 
this time because of injury, but that he went out there and passed the test. I just think it's one of those things where if you're in there and you're struggling uh, and you can't move the pocket every play, you can't chip every play, you can't chip both guys, right? Uh, so it might be one of those situations where it might call for making a sub. And I would feel a lot better about if it were me. I feel a lot better about it given how he played in that game versus Maryland. So I mean, I mean, but we aren't seeing what's going on in practice, and like the, yeah. right. there's got to be something. But this, I think there's something more there. Part of it too has got to be it's his coach is having to be the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the running a program <laughs> that you know, like that has anything to do with it. <laughs> but yeah, he wasn't he wasn't all those things for the the you know the middle the OC of the season for the last couple of years. Like, yeah, but like he's the guy who wanted to start Trent A at the beginning of last year, mm-hmm. so. There's there's no way that that has any impact. In, uh, incidentally, does Barnhart have another year? He might have a COVID year. I know that because I has- wonder if it makes sense just thinking to move him inside the guard next year, uh, where these pass pro issues may not be so profound, and he may have a better NFL chance does, playing at guard. He does have another year because he took a because yeah. he got a red shirt. So yeah. yeah, he's got another year. Henderson's out of. Uh, out of, yeah. Yeah. Miles um, Hinton has, has another, another year. year too. Zinter actually has another year. You're not going to get that in Keegan. Yeah, you're not going to get Zinter. He's yeah. no, no. Yeah. Zinter and Keegan are gone, yeah. but like technically they could. It's going to be weird, man. There's going to be a lot of six-year players. Um, this year, the guys who were freshmen in 2020 who all got red shirts, and even though they mm-hmm. played, are seniors. So next year, there's going to be like a lot of guys playing their fifth year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was encouraged by what we saw from Trente. I was encouraged. I mean, so. it just reminds me of the Devin Gill situation where Michigan played him at linebacker despite the fact that he was not very good because Don Brown liked him a lot. <laughs> back on radio in 30 seconds. Guys. Wasn't this true back with another linebacker? They had uh, Joe Get- Bolden. Joe Bolden. And they and practice all star. <laughs> right. Gideon was Gideon was the better player, yeah. but they played Joe Bolden. I don't yeah. know. Uh, so, so fellas, let's look at Ohio state, uh, starting with you, Brian, give me uh, an aspect of the Buckeyes that you feel, where are they better this year? Like, where do you see them as having improved? Where are they, uh, where are they the same? Where are they worse? Can you kind of profile some aspects of them for us? Well, they don't give up big plays like they did last year. They got absolutely hammered, not just against Michigan, but also against Georgia, and so you're not going to see a whole lot of cover zero from them unless they're just completely disrespectful of the opposition's off uh, skill players like they were against Penn State. So they, they've dialed it back a little bit, and they've become uh, much better uh, at preventing long touchdowns. Um, their secondary, I think, has improved. Denzel Burke was kind of questionable his first two years, and now he's rounded into a guy who people are projecting as a first-rounder. Um, you know, their defensive line is basically the same guys it was last year, but they're all older. They've improved. Like JTT is still kind of a guy who's more tools than production. But if you try to block him with a tight end, he will murder that man. So even AJ Barner, I think you're like, don't like, don't do it. (laughs) It's not, it's not a good idea. Um, but offensively they've, they've really gone off a cliff. And C.J. Stroud was obviously the stir the, uh, the straw that stirred the drink last year, and McCord, as mentioned earlier, has been pretty erratic. 
Um, he almost threw two interceptions against Minnesota, which is a very bad defense this year. They've struggled for a lot of first halves. They were only up 13 nothing on Minnesota after a half, and that was with Minnesota going three and out basically every possession. So they have had a huge drop-off there, and their line is not nearly as good as it was last year. Hmm. Now, it's not the complete disaster it looked like it was going to be after the Ohio State spring game, but they give up much more pressure, and they don't really have any progress when it comes to running the ball on third and short. They've gotten some explosives from Travion Henderson now that he's healthy, but it just feels kind of like baked into the Ryan Day experience right now is that they're going to try to run the ball and be tough and all that stuff. And it's just not going to work against good defenses. And I think Michigan is a good defense. So like to me, the things I'm, I'm worried about are Marvin Harrison Jr. And Egbuka getting over the top. And I think that they'll have a approach similar to the last two years where they're asking Ohio state, well, can you drive the field on us and score a touchdown instead of kick a field goal? And I kind of think that the answer is going to be no, because last year you had a lot of bailout throws from from uh, Stroud, and you're probably not going to get that from from McCord, and you're probably going to get more pressure. So I think Michigan can do basically what Penn State did to Ohio State, which is hold them to a couple of drives over the course of the game, 20, 23 points maybe. And then the flip side, as we've talked, is like, okay, if we get J.J. that we got for the rest of the season – Michigan's going to win this game. Uh-huh. If we get the JJ from the Maryland game, uh, could be a problem. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, they're where they've definitely gotten better as defensive tackle. Um, they they graduated one guy that they thought was a, a NFL guy who is the, is the guy that Michigan actually ran um, for seventy five and eighty five at the end of the game. And Tyleek Williams has been a really good tackle. They're um, they're a little more banged up. I think people realize Lathan Ransom was so awful last year, but like he was their starting safety and he's been out and they've been using Jordan Hancock in his place, who's just kind of a cornerback playing safety. But I agree with Brian, like their offense, CJ Stroud, people are forgetting that CJ Stroud had a great game against Michigan last year. And like they, they're like, oh man, Michigan is the only one to contain CJ Stroud. No, uh, no. Yeah, the, the Ohio State fans who were like, oh. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, Michigan is the only team that ever held CJ Stroud. I'm like he passed for 350 yards both the last two <laughs> yeah. years, bro. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's Stroud. Stroud is a killer. Michigan limited the damage by leaving safeties on top and just trying to make it, you know, make them drive the field and giving them opportunities to run the ball. And I think that they're not going to be the same against Kyle McCord. They're going to throw a lot of weird zones at Kyle McCord because McCord, if you give him man to man, you saw what happened to Purdue, right? They're, Purdue was like, we got a man up because we're a Ryan Walters team. And they put a man on Marvin Harrison, and they just tossed it over his head. And Penn State, when they got burned, it was because they manned up and Marvin Harrison just, you know, won that matchup. And that, that was kind of like the exposure of, uh, of, uh, of King, right? So that's what Michigan's going to really try to avoid. I think at one point we were looking at this going, okay, Will Johnson – looking like an All-American. There was a period where I was saying saying that, but I think I was stepping that back a little bit after the Maryland performance and saying, look, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be destroying a lot of NFL cornerbacks. Will Johnson's an NFL cornerback, but they're going to have trouble with him too. I think he's the best of the guys who's come out of there 
uh, and they've had some really good ones coming out of there. Michigan's going to try to double him up. They're going to maybe single Abuka, but you know they're they have some weapons. It's just about can McCord find them, and Michigan's going to make it really hard for that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Brian, I think has convinced me. And that I didn't think I started there. I thought I was more in Sam's corner, but I, I think he's convinced me that this game is going to depend on who plays better at quarterback. And uh, you know, if 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 JJ, you know, ha, ha, sort of reverts to form, and if McCord reverts to form or plays how he has, um, I, I think Michigan's going to win the game. I think I think Ohio State is better on defense. I do think they've taken a step back on offense, largely because of the difference between Stroud and McCord. And uh, so this game may just come down to quarterback play. Yeah, I, that's exactly where I, I think. Oh, that's where you started? Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Because yeah, at one point somebody true. said ah, uh, Michigan can win without good quarterback play. And I thought, I don't know. Brian said I mean, that. <laughs> oh, Brian said that. Then I, I'm with Sam, then, I guess. I mean, if. I, like you go back and you look at this rush defense and it's usually pretty good, but you know, they gave up four and a half yards of carry to Notre Dame and late in that game, Notre Dame was just running down their throats. They were. Notre Dame should have won that game. You know, they gave up 232 rushing yards at 5.4 a pop to Rutgers. And that was not because Rutgers was just running it at the end of the game. That was a competitive game through three quarters. So they have <laughs> shown some cracks. And then, yeah, they held down Michigan State and Minnesota and Wisconsin without Braylon Allen. But, like, those teams are not good rushing offenses. And mm-hmm. Maryland goes for three yards to carry 106 yards on 35 carries, which doesn't sound great, but we just saw what Maryland did against Michigan with mm-hmm. nobody in the box. So you look at the individual stats for all these players and their PFF grades, and it's like, wow, this looks like a really good run defense. And then you, you look at their results against a collection of teams that aren't anywhere near as good at Michigan as running the ball. And you kind of start thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe we can make some hay here. Uh And then what happens if Michigan starts making some hay and looks like 2021 for a second? Well, then maybe that safety first approach on defense goes out the window. So I I agree with you, Brian. I I, listen, I I do think that they, they are largely the perception of them is, of being better is I won't discount that they are better at defensive tackle, like you said, and you know they're they're tighter in coverage. I think it's largely a result of how reckless they were uh, with their plan against Michigan. And people say, oh, they're 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 much more sound than that. But is the run defense really that much better? Like, I mean, is it is it improved? Or is it good? I, I tend to think it's more improved and that Michigan can run on them if J.J. is a big part of it. Not always carrying the football, but that that to me is the difference in this rushing attack versus the, the past two. They could just line up and they could plow people. And that's 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 not the ingredient. It's, just still, very, it's still a good run-blocking unit, but J.J. as a, as a factor – perimeter runs and JJ as a factor as a as a run threat like we saw him be against Penn State right springing that last touchdown essentially that is a key to this game I think no matter which way you slice it JJ McCarthy 
to me, is the key to Michigan's success. Whether they win or lose, it'll come down. And I hate to put it all on one guy. Defense has to play well. I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about Michigan's uh, improvement defensively because this defensive line, guys, have we seen have we seen a defensive tackle tandem on par with the guys that we're watching right now? Tandem, five guys. Yeah, yeah. There's this is the best defensive line we've ever had. This is still well, no, because Aiden Hutchinson was on one of them, but uh, um, this is the deepest line they've ever had. They have four defensive ends who are all interchangeable. Even Cam Good, who I completely dismissed as a, after a kind of a sketchy <laughs> year last year, is playing well. And you know, Rayshon Benny has been the guy who's been lagging, and he's coming off two of his best games of his career. So they really do go five deep, and in a game that figures to be a fourth quarter game, that could be an advantage for Michigan. Because to go back to that Notre Dame game, it felt like Ohio State was getting tired. And yeah. Notre Dame was running it down their throat. And I don't know if uh, I think his name is Michael Hall. He's one of the rotational defensive tackles. He's been out the last couple of weeks, and I think he might not be available for this game. He's not one of their starters. He's not, you know, a superhero. But if, you know, you have to have your starters out there for a 12 play drive in the first <laughs> half, you know, you could see maybe Michigan's depth start to to win out in the second half. Yeah, Seth, I mean, it. look, it's a very, very good line. I, it could wind up being the best we, we've seen, but you pointed out one. We had Aiden Hutchinson and Ajabo on the other side. Remember in 06, they had Lamar Woodley, Allen Branch, BG, <laughs> Brandon Graham was on that D-line. Like, you had and, some. And, and then as soon as you went to the backups, you and, and even, even on the starters, you had, like, Greg Banks and stuff like that on the two deep. Like this, this line, this line is deep, and Ohio State has the same problem that Michigan has offensively, which is the game played nobody, um, or sorry, defensively, right? The the uh, who who is Michigan? Who has Ohio State played since Notre Dame? Notre Dame was able to run the ball on them, and 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 if Notre Dame puts twelve players on the field, Notre Dame wins that game. So, who have they played other than that? Like their last games were Minnesota, Michigan State, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Penn State, Purdue, Maryland. They have not played an offense that really has moved the ball on anybody. Anybody. Yeah. Except Maryland. And that game was 17 to 20 through three quarters. And that was with Tunga Vailoa throwing a couple of awful oh, interceptions oh that had God. nothing to do with what Ohio State was doing. Right. It was just oh. Tunga Vailoa being Tunga Vailoa. Right. And yeah. we've got this problem too, right? Our defensive, we, I've been charting our defense against some awful offenses. But. You know, I we just saw Maryland has a decent offense. They're like a top twenty-five offense, not the top of the top twenty-five, but they're you know twenty-six, twenty-fifth, twenty-fourth, somewhere in there. And you saw how Michigan was able to perform against them, especially on the defensive line. That line has been just as good the entire way. And guess what? Ohio State's been bad at all year, picking up stunts. All right, so guys, we're yeah. we're down to it. Got to put you on the line real quick. Brian Cook, winner score, Michigan, Ohio State. I got Michigan seven to three. <laughs> Craig Ross, Michigan, Ohio State. I have Michigan 24-19. And Mr. Seth Fisher. Michigan 50 to 17. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. He Kill him. Play. 
Get him! <laughs> Get him! They, have, they deserve it! And they're gonna eat it! And they're gonna take 50, and then they're gonna fire Ryan Day, and they're gonna hire someone who drives us nuts for 20 years. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, it's been a great ride. The all regular season. Hopefully, the regular season ends with the bang. You all have a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you next week, hopefully talking about 12 and 0 Michigan. So we'll see you then to the rest of you. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK of the Ticket, the official voice of the University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor Accumulus Station.